Section 32 of Mounties in the News. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by David Lawrence. Eight Indians Hanged by the New York Times. Riel's friends pay the penalty of their crimes. The massacres at Frog Lake and Battleford avenged in the presence of Northwestern savages. Battleford, Northwest Territory, November 27. The execution of the eight Indians found guilty of murder at Frog Lake and Battleford occurred at 8.27 o'clock this morning. The gallows worked without friction. The day broke dark and cloudy and with the air frosty. The government authorities permitted the savages from the reserves distant 10 to 15 miles from this post to be present at the execution, and all night clusters of the braves hung about the stores and camped out on the open ground in the vicinity of the barracks of the mounted police, but the presence of the sentries prevented them from approaching near the cells occupied by the condemned. Campfires lit up the prairies, and the comrades of the warriors to be executed could be heard chanting the death songs of their tribes. The gallows stood out in bold relief, having been placed near the military post in open view to enable the late warring savages to witness the death penalties passed upon their leaders. Fathers Biconez and Cochin remained with the eight warriors all night and received their last wishes. They nearly all remained wakeful during the entire night, but one or two lay down in their blankets and slept from midnight till the early hours of the morning. None of them displayed any unusual signs of excitement, but remained stoical up to the hour of their appearance on the scaffold. A very strong guard was thrown round the gallows by seven o'clock. At seven-thirty o'clock, each man was pinioned and, guarded on either side, marched to the scaffold, taking his place on the trap. When they were asked if they had anything to say, Wandering Spirit began to speak in his native tongue, acknowledging that he deserved death. He warned his people not to make war on the whites, as they were their friends. He told of the Frog Lake Massacre and took the burden of the crime upon himself. He was followed by a miserable man, who spoke in the same strain. When he had concluded, the savages, who had remained quiet throughout the speeches, except to exclaim, how, at various periods during Wandering Spirit's address, when they coincided in his views, then began to chant their death song to show that they did not fear death. All the while, the priest could be heard reciting prayers. The chanting of the savages continued even after the white caps had been adjusted, and in the midst of their song, the bolt was drawn, and all fell together, every one apparently dying instantly. Dr. Ralph examined the bodies and pronounced life extinct. After hanging fifteen minutes, the bodies were cut down and placed in coffins and handed over to the coroner and jury. All the arrangements had been calculated with precision, and, as a result, the execution occurred without any mishap. The Indians, who stood at a distance and witnessed the affair, were very quiet in demeanor, and the silence was only broken by the wailing of the wives of the condemned braves. The savages generally set out for their reserves after the execution, and those who remain show no special signs of excitement. Of the eight Indians hanged, seven were active participants in the horrible massacre at Frog Lake on April 3 last. 
the bloody work was begun by wandering spirit and afterward carried on under his direction until the white people of the frog lake settlement were almost exterminated up to the morning of april three no hostile demonstrations had been made although there were not wanting signs of a rebellious spirit on the part of the savages early that morning however the indian agent thomas t quinn who was a sioux half-breed from minnesota was aroused from sleep by wandering spirit and his companions who commanded him as the representative of the government to increase their supplies immediately quinn seemed to have complied with the order supplying the indians with beef and issuing orders on the hudson's bay company's store for other supplies a few hours later the hollowness of their pacific protestations was abundantly shown it was good friday and service was held in a little church by the reverend fathers fufard and marchand oblate missionaries wandering spirit marched in covered with war paint and carrying his winchester with an air of insolent bravado but his time for taking revenge on the white people had not yet come some time after the close of the service and while the congregation was dispersing the indian ringleader proceeded to the agent's house in front of which he met gwyn and charles gowen another american half-breed he ordered quinn to go to the indian camp and on the latter asking for a reason said never mind why but go quinn refused and the next moment was struck lifeless by a bullet from wandering spirit's rifle the fall of quinn acted upon the already excited indians as the smell of blood to a tiger young gowen was the second victim and john delaney who was also a representative of the government in his capacity of farm inspector was soon shot down in cold blood beside his wife gowenlick the miller was brutally murdered in his wife's presence and the two women were soon afterward hurried to the indian camp where they fortunately found refuge in the tent of the half-breed pritchard dill williscraft and gilchrist were killed as they sought to escape the priests who earnestly endeavored to stay the work of the murderers were themselves shot down father marchand dying by the hand of wandering spirit and father fufard before the rifle of one of his subordinates the whole affair occupied only a brief period lasting to use the words of one of the indian witnesses at the trials only about as long as it would take a person to smoke a pipe the only males who escaped were quinn a nephew of the murdered agent and the employees of the hudson's bay company there were five others besides wandering spirit placed on trial at battleford for murder committed at frog lake bad arrow manichus and miserable man kitamakihau were jointly indicted for the murder of charles gwyn their victim was in company with quinn when the latter was killed and sought to save himself by flight as he was running away bad arrow fired both barrels of a shotgun at him bringing him to the ground as he lay writhing there miserable man placed a rifle to his head and ended his agony the evidence against these two was chiefly furnished by other indians woodcrees who had taken no part in the massacre both prisoners were followers of big bear they have the ordinary indian features with little to distinguish them from others iron body nepes and little bear apishakus were tried for the murder of george dill one of the last victims on the massacre 
he was endeavoring to escape in company with Gilchrist and Willescraft. His companions were shot down beside him, and seeing that he had no chance of escaping from his savage pursuers, he stopped running. Iron Body and Little Bear were both seen to fire on him, and the latter shot him a second time as he lay wounded on the ground. Round the sky, another of Big Bear's followers was convicted of the murder of the Reverend Father Marchand. It was shown that he fired at and killed the priest while the latter was lying on the ground, wounded by a shot from Wandering Spirit's rifle. This, Judge Rouleau, before whom the savages were tried, held to be sufficient to convict the prisoner of murder, and the death sentence accordingly was pronounced. Men without blood belonged to Musuning's band. The crime for which he was sentenced to death on October 5 was the killing of Bernard Tremont, a ranchman who lived near Battleford. The murder occurred about the end of March. Man without blood, in confessing his crime, said he met Tremont near his own house and shot him dead. The murder was entirely unprovoked. Icta, a stony Indian, was sentenced to death for the murder of James Payne, farm instructor on the Stony Reserve near Battleford, on the 13th of March. This prisoner also pleaded guilty, giving his own story of the murder. He demanded more flour from the instructor, was refused it, and a quarrel ensued. Icta got his rifle, and the second interview ended with Payne's death. The court sentenced eleven to death, but on Saturday night a respite came for Charbois, Alexis Ducharme, and Dressyman, who killed a crazy woman in Black Bear's camp, and Louison Mongren, who shot a mounted policeman at Pitt, had his sentence commuted to imprisonment for life. End of section thirty two.